on dispensers of pets, poking out at the cons, renaissance fests, watch anime chicks with inflatable breasts. You might be a trekking, <laughs> sit back and watch as the uber geek goes and kicks it up a notch. Turn to the left to F in your dictionary and add this word to your vocabulary. Take a look, cause I'm the real McCoy. Damn it, Jim, I'm not a doctor, I'm just the definition of a fanboy, Fanboys is the Fanboy Planet Podcast, and here's your host, the bronze medalist for the Super G, Derek McCaw. Hey, bronze, not bad. No, that's not bad. I, I wish I knew what the Super G was. Oh. Look it up. Okay. Well, Google it. Google it, people. All right, this is Derek McCaw, Google. <laughs> editor-in-chief of FanboyPlanet.com. This is the Fanboy Planet Podcast, and welcome back, people. Well, we haven't assembled in a while. For a ver- various reasons, but it is now Wednesday. Well, I mean, the court case is over now. I right. Mean, we still can't it, talk right. about it. It is uh, Wednesday, February 24th. We are podcasting from Elusive Comics and We games. all have new names. 2725 Alcamino Real Suite 104 in Santa Clara, California. The time for the whistling is over now. Thank you, though, the Steve. He's doing bird calls. <laughs> Great. I feel like I'm at the Tiki Room. And, of course, to my left is uh, my fabulous announcer. Uh, Tony Chavone. Okay. And uh, Moral Compass and podcast producer... The man with no name. Like so, I said, until really? until the clear the, the, oh, the right. case is cleared, we can't really. You know what? You know what irritates me? I already I already gave out my real name. Well, yes, you you were was, you were that safe. Was very bright of you. No, you were clean. Uh, well, my real name is Gern Blanston. All right, so uh, we got some comics news to talk about, some movie news to talk about, and TV news. And uh, how about you, some newsy news? How about some newsy news? Well, you, you know, here's that? something that goes all the way around. Uh, well. The Com- biggest news. That comics have been in the news the past uh, week or so uh, with a couple of really big items. First of all, the, the big thing that affects us, I think, on a, on a regular basis the cost. is, is the, <laughs> the cost. cost of a single book. The cost of a single book. Uh, because now, after Paul Levitt stepped down as publisher of DC, they had to replace him with five. That means the books are going up to five ninety nine a piece to cover the fact that there are five people doing what <laughs> one person was doing before. What? <laughs> no, I thought maybe wait. that would wake you up. Kill huh? me now. No. Actually, what I do notice is that um, a lot of the books that had backup features, the backup features have ended. I think they're going to go back down to two ninety nine with things like Booster Gold and uh, Doom Patrol. Okay. Although I don't know if I'm going to buy Doom Patrol if there's no Metal Men in the back. But, uh, I Metal, will. Metal Men wrapped up very abruptly last week. So uh, in the wake of Paul Levitt stepping down, they finally announced a new publisher. It's actually two men, Dan DiDio, which I don't think really comes as a surprise. Does no. that surprise anybody? No. Wasn't he already the or he's editor in chief? He was executive editor. editor. Oh, okay. Um and So now he's the ruler. Now he's the co-ruler. co-publisher with Jim Lee. Jim Lee? Jim Lee? Say what? Yes. Uh the artist extraordinary. When's he going to have time to draw anything? When has he had time recently? <laughs> uh, that's funny you should say because we've heard, uh, and I think we may we may actually be accidentally be leaking something that DC doesn't want known. But I'm going to go ahead and say that. Through, Please leak it out. Through sources, leak it all over. Through sources, it turns out that uh, Jim Lee, uh, you know, had been drawing All Star Batman and Robin, and that had been a very delayed book. I'm going to blame Frank Miller for that, but that's just because I don't like him. Um, but uh, it's likely it was an artistic problem, and apparently um, the trade. Uh, that DC has just very quietly, not really announced, but officially determined that All-Star Batman Robin uh, is done with issue number 10. Okay. However, 
they just collected or solicited for the trade paperback, which goes from issues one, two, three, nine, four, nine, one to nine, and then number ten just floating out there. That's just weird. If you wanted to find out how the story ended, what the hell's wrong with you? Because you really shouldn't have read past issue two. But just in case, (laughs) um, you have to make sure you get an individual copy of of, of number 10. It's crazy. (coughs) Um, But I think, you know, that's the thing. That's just to raise the market value of issue 10. So Jim Lee has been stressing, oh, I'll get back to drawing. And of course, one of the reasons that Jim Lee has been delayed is they've been doing the. DC Universe Online. Jim Lee has been doing the art direction on that game. So. But I mean, why wouldn't they just, you know, hire out one of the Jim Lee clones that came out during the '90s to finish the book? Because I mean, they're all clones of Rob Liefeld now. Oh, are they yeah. now? Wait, they went back. It's a very because didn't Liefeld kind of come thing. and then Jim Lee kind of came and yeah, yes. yeah. So well, you're saying they're going back they to step Loaf? back. They wow. step back to you know, image there. So I was going to say there was that time during the '90s when everybody's art looked like Jim Lee. Everybody I know. was a Jim Lee knockout. I know. Just and hire one of those guys to do eleven and twelve, and then you maybe, finish your story. Maybe. Where's the leadership here, DC? Yeah. <laughs> Gosh. Well, I, I should have been in on that meeting. No, let me explain though. I, I, while you have an interesting, interesting question, I think it's easily refuted by the fact that look, nobody was buying it. Because it wasn't coming than, out more more recent, though. Uh, more regularly, but the, but I was. You're right, regularly. But I was buying it more for Frank Miller's grim and gritty dialogue. Really? Not like really. I'm the G damn Batman. Yeah, and don't be R tarted. Yeah. Okay. So. Um, Notice how I censored that. I really appreciate that. Looking you. out for you, Bristol. Uh, yeah, I really don't want uh, Sarah Palin on our butt. Oh, okay. Um, I do. <laughs> Lon's got her on his butt. But uh, tribal mix. Anyway, I think that it, that it was sold on name recognition. I don't think you could swap out an artist and have people be satisfied with that. To finish your your twelve. Yeah, I don't think any, I don't think anybody was really buying it for the story. They were buying no. it for the name recognition of a Jim Lee uh, yeah. book. Well, just call him like you know, do like they did when the, in the seventies when like Bruce Lee you know died and they came in all these right. like Jim fake, Lee with an L I. Yeah, like yeah, yeah. yeah. Okay. Drawn by Jim Lay. J H Y M L A Y. Yeah, right. Jim Lay. And and then you could just lie. Hey, Jim Lee drew it. Yeah, sorry people. Anyway, yeah. uh, but they also created a uh, a position, chief creative officer. CCO, and that is sounds kind of like a like a phony position, maybe yeah. like a, a do nothing position, maybe. Hopefully, it's a do something position. It's uh, Jeff Johns. Oh, so they just another excuse to pay him more money. <laughs> what a jerk! And, and no, you know. <laughs> okay, I'm a little bitter about that, but still, uh, no, I think uh, absolutely. Hey, you're writing this book. You're writing this book. You're writing this movie. You're writing this show. You're directing this. You're, Guess what? You're you're, ba- you're basically in control of half the DC universe right. anyway. Right. And just in case you were getting maybe an hour of sleep a night, let's cut that down to 45 minutes. Mm-hmm. Um, so uh, he's got. Well, you realize Jeff Johns doesn't sleep. No, he doesn't. He's a he's shark. A, he's a cyborg. What? Yes. He's kind of like he's Vicky in Small shark. Wonder. You are going to just push that TV. <laughs> <laughs> Read the review now on morenlife.com. No, oh, I'm kidding. I forgot to pick that up. Yeah. Anyway, um, <laughs> so. <laughs> Jeff, hey, Shout Factory. I, you know My what? obligations are done. <laughs> <laughs> we may be the first. Um, internet commentators to compare Jeff Johns to Vicky from Small Wonder. <laughs> well done. Well Thank done. Anyway. Um, well, he is fantastic made of plastic. Thank you. So. Well, one of the things that he, he said is that, you know, I mean, it is, it's really just confirming what he's already been doing is 
that since he'd written that the absolute justice, the kind of idea of he's the guy to make that's going to make sure that the properties make it to other media intact. So that if Jeff Johns had created Smallville, intact, it wouldn't be Smallville. Intact may not be the right word. Honoring the original. Honoring the original. Well, you know, is it? It's hard to argue with the changes that were made in the Just Society on Smallville because you know you couldn't make them World War II heroes. It's 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 barely believable yeah. in the comics now. It's not believable. In comics. Well, you know okay. what though? But that's if you buy into the several reju- rejuvenations they've exactly. had, and if you know that continuity. But you're right. It, okay, it's not even really believable. But, but you I, know what though? He's 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 capable. He knows what he's doing. Mm-hmm. He's taking the company in great directions and. Good stories are still coming out, so yeah. mm-hmm. and I'm they have okay a, they have a couple of other executives that nobody's going to remember. How long do you think Mar- it's going to take Marvel to have a CCO? Well, they kind of do. Yeah, See, Bendis don't they? Isn't Bendis, Bendis their Jones? Isn't officially not, CCO? Not, no. oh, well, I mean, I'm talking about but a title. Right? Casada is pub- is editor in chief, editor in chief. So Casada kind of matches the Jim Lee thing. Well, I mean, um, and no, got he's he's Dio. Tom Brevoort. Well, he and is Dio. There's a couple other people. Um, it's like a weird chess match. You know what I mean? You've mm-hmm. got your your mm-hmm. king. I don't know who the queens are in Marvel yet, but you know, I'm sure gonna, they're fabulous. I'm but gonna, um, uh, but uh, you know, you figure you're anything you, I say will be libelous, not fabulous. So I'm not. So go you have John's that. on one side, and you figure you know he's kind of the artist creator they always go to for you know the ideas. And on the flip side, I just have to Bendis say, this is the guy. That I am to. totally envisioning now some enterprising young man at Comic Con selling the Marvel DC, DC chess set. Chess set, absolutely trademark came up here first. Okay. We uh, want to cut of that. Sharnold, do it. Start you're the man carving that those now. Yeah. Sharnold, start carving. Start you're whittling. The, you're the only one of us we know who actually does what he says he's going to do, so please go out and, and take care of that and then give us a cut. Give it to Lon. That's true. It was all Lon's thing. Uh, well, thanks, buddy. I'll buy you dinner. <laughs> will you? Yeah. Fantastic. With the chess money. So. Oh. Well, yeah. that's going to be a while. Yeah, okay. Exactly. The other thing that made it into the mainstream media, the MSM, if you will, is that... Um, a graded fine, a very fine 8.0 edition of Action Comics number one yep. set the record for the most expensive, or I guess the largest comic sale in history. The most Wait, expensive comic. Action Comics number one. Why does that sound familiar? Because in, Teenage, Teenage because in 2013, the rights go back to the original creators and DC Comics is totally screwed. I know, but why? Why is it so? I forget what that what the significance of that Batman. book is. Uh, it was actually the first appearance of Slam Bradley, Ooh, Detective Slam Bradley. I've never too. heard of him. And Mandrake the magician, uh, not Mandrake, uh, uh, Zatara, first appeared in. Uh, oh, really? Yeah, yeah, in Action Comics. Hmm. Weird. And then there was a little backup feature that kind of faded out of fashion for a while called Superman. Guy who that, that, that didn't really go oh. anywhere. Yeah. So uh, maybe you've heard of it. Anyway, it went for a million dollars. Dun dun dun. And I think what's really funny, I was telling Anna Warren the uh, – no, Anna Sebrian now, sorry. No, I think she hyphenates. Anna Warren Sebrian? No, her last That's name – That's ridiculous. No, her last name is it's, it's she, hyphenates. She hyphenates no, Anna. <laughs> Anna. Uh, <laughs> she's, she's gone Kryptonian. Uh, from the house of Nah. Uh, <laughs> uh, the owner of Elusive Comics Games, I said what I thought was funny about all the coverage was – which which um, celebrity store owner do you think they went to uh, to buy to to, to, um, to, to interview a, for all the stories to get, get all a the quote. good pull quotes? Cardi Angelo. No, I, I, John le- Dolman. Yes, legitimate celebrity oh. whom we have interviewed, John yeah. Dolman, the drummer from System of a Down, right? Yep. Yeah. Yes. So 
Because he brokered that deal? No, no he didn't. They That's went why to him for a funny. quote. They went to him for a oh. quote because it's like, well, he's a rock star, so we'll double Google or something. But I wait, guess. isn't exactly. CGC supposed to give you the quote of what it's worth? No, 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 no. 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 They gave, I'm saying the mainstream media went to John Delman to for get a, like English quote to on get the commentary on the significance of the oh. like. Like, like this surly drummer who runs Torpedo Comics, you know, but it's, oh, he's a drummer. You know, people know exactly. that band. So and drummers got, are known for the literacy. Oh, they, no. they couldn't go to Nick don't, Cage? Don't don't rip on the guy. He's actually, he was really, he's a really nice guy. He was a real nice guy. And he is running a very successful He's the Ringo business. star of System of a Down. Oh, dear God. Oh, man. John, if you're listening, that was Rick Brettschneider. Sandpaper at Morning Were you planning on going to Comic-Con with us this summer? Yes, I am. Oh, I think you ought to cancel those plans, mister. Uh, <laughs> WonderCon, even. He'll be at WonderCon. WonderCon. Um, we might let you drive us to SuperCon. Oh, okay. Uh, There's no SuperCon this year. No SuperCon this year? From what I hear, no. What? No SuperCon because WonderCon's so close. Oh. Oh. I'm pretty sure. Yeah. Is Rick? Con, is Big I mean, not Rick. Uh, Steve? No Supercon this year, right? No Supercon. No. Yeah, no Supercon. There goes my year. Mm-hmm. The easiest comic book convention to get to. Yeah. Yep. They, uh, Roll it a bed, walk across the street, and... Yeah, thanks, right. WonderCon. You killed it. <sighs> thanks, WonderCon. Going on Easter weekend, too. That's... All right, whatever. Um... We got our issues with that organization. We'll talk about those a little later. Um, let's talk about comics uh, specifically. Um, okay. Okay. Right. Hey, you know Felicia Day. You know who Felicia Day is, right? Not really. I do. She oh. gave she gave our friend Sean Becker a job. Oh, right. Right. Um, uh, Felicia Day is writing a comic. What do you, what comic book? The do you Guild think it is? comic. Yes, the I Guild. Saw, didn't Very Sean good. talk about that? Hey, yes, he did. It's officially coming out March 24th. Yeah, I saw some preview art somewhere. Uh, it looks very wizardy, actiony, something. Yes, else. Jim Rugg is the artist in Felicia Day's writing. It's coming out from Dark What's Horse. Before Good month. for them. Jim Rugg is an alternative artist. I know. Don't please don't ask me to name a specific thing because it's one of those guys that you're. Would like, you please name a specific thing? You are such a jerk. Jim it's, Rugg. He did a uh, rub dub dub jump on my tug. I don't know. Sorry. It was good. You should check it out. Read it. Okay, I've I'm, missed this. I'm going to apologize yeah, for mine. Yeah, yeah, I think you should. <laughs> I don't think you can take it from both sides. Can, can you can you not just trust that sometimes Derek knows best? It, it's just, he senses trouble coming from his okay, left. Got it. <laughs> <laughs> for those listening and not vi- viewing us, Lon is trouble sitting to my left. <laughs> <laughs> Tony. Tony Chion, or whatever I said earlier. <laughs> you just gave up my identity. Also, if you're not reading Walking Dead, and you should be, uh, image threw in a little incentive because I'm going to bet right now that uh, Walking Dead number 70, which hit the stands today, is going to have a special little extra thing that's going to make it worth a lot on the secondary market, which is a preview of Turf. Number mm. one, which is a new book by Jonathan Ross, who's a former BBC presenter, which means very successful talk show host, hmm. uh, who has apparently been suspended uh, from the BBC. Probably for being presented just a, a little too much. A little yeah. presented a little too much, but a longtime comics fan. He did a fantastic documentary uh, on uh, In Search of Steve Ditko, mm. looking for Ditko. Um, was that part of the In Search of TV show? No, no. no it was okay. a, he just did it a couple years ago. I th- unless YouTube has brought it down, I think we actually have all of it on the website if you want to search for it. It's, mm. I've got all the pieces broken down onto the site. Um, and uh, so he created a comic called Turf. And Turf is about vampire mobsters oh, in yeah. Chicago, oh, except God. that an alien gang moves in. So it's oh. uh, you know, supposedly uh, pretty fun. 
Cover looks kind of Blade Runnery. Have we not heard and uh, had enough of the vampires and the thing with the vampires and, and the thing with the, the vampires alien vampires in the twenties? The vampires yeah. and the gang and the the new take on vampires. Have you uh, seen the new Twilight body pillows <laughs> that are going to eliminate the need for men? No, but thank God for them. <laughs> okay, because then maybe maybe that breed will die out. Exactly, exactly. That's right. <laughs> they will not reproduce. Yeah. They will be cuddling into no, eternity. No, no. You know what? Without reading it, I won't say. I'll, I'll I'll wait till I can read the first six pages before I pass judgment. Because I think there's only five pages in this, so you're well. Okay. Then even, there's four. Four. Okay. Well, then I should be able to handle it. So. Okay. Oh, and Jam Master Steve just stopped by. <laughs> um. Okay. Uh, just before uh, kind of heading over here, was uh, news is broken that Charlene Harris, who is the uh, writer of the Sookie Stackhouse novels, Sookie. that became Lon Lopez's favorite catchphrase, if nothing else. At least for the summer of 2009, uh, yes. Became t- uh, True Blood, the television series on HBO. She has another series involving a character named Harper Connolly. Uh, Harper. It just doesn't have the ring to it. No, no, okay. Maybe, maybe some other. Uh, maybe some maybe other if it was if like it was Georgia, <laughs> it was more like Harper. Or if it was like somebody from like the Middle East or something. <laughs> somebody from Harper, Fargo, North Dakota. Oh, Harper, Harper, <laughs> Harper, Harper. I mean, make it Boston. Pepperidge Farms remembers. Harper, get the car. All right, park the car in Harper. <laughs> anyway, uh, the, the first book in the series is called Gravesite and Dynamite Publishing. Uh, is bringing it to comics. So Charlene Harris, whose husband I've, I've, I've heard is a huge comic fan. No, no, not Ed no. Harris. Her, but her husband's a guy who adapted some of the... the no, no, I got confused. Never mind. Forget this. Cut this. I completely, it was, I'll try and remember to edit this out. No, it was the Honest woman, to God, I will. <laughs> You're such a liar. Anyway, uh, I don't know, but Charlene Harris has. She did appear at Comic Con last summer, so oh yeah, she's, she's all really, part of that True Blood. Uh, she's panel really gotten into the whole Comic Con thing, so uh, she's going to comics now. She's kind of like the Susan Boyle of comics, isn't she? Kind of. That's odd. <laughs> Very strange illusion. <laughs> but I'm going to let that stand. I mean, think about it. There's all these like this. You know, just in, Susan Boyle is going to be writing a comic book <laughs> based on a frumpy housewife. Well, she's not even a housewife. It's called I Dream to Dream. Ah, uh, yes. Anyway. Uh, we must have more agenda. What was uh, what was unclear in the article, however, is if she's actually scripting the book or if somebody's uh. adapting. They were very ca- canny not to mention any other uh, talent's name. Sometimes you just don't want the author scripting it. That, that may be true, too. Kind of really. like Virgin it's Comics. A good thing. That's an interesting. That's who? Right. They're gone. I think they still exist in like Moonwater or Bongwater Moon Press. Moonwater. Uh, anyway. Uh, so so that's that. Um, it was also announced today. Uh, let's talk about the big book of the day, which was Blackest Night number seven. Number seven. Number seven. One, One more, more issue. Lon, let's open this round table with you. you. We all three read it. Yes. Uh, the one thing I'm noticing about uh, these books... Are we going to do spoilers? Let's do, uh, let's do spoilers. No, I'll do non-spoilers. I think we can keep it as spoiler-free as yeah. possible. Okay, fine. If we can try. Um, yeah. Well, to me, there wasn't any major spoilers. In the, I mean, yeah. yeah oh, there, there was, was some major spoilers. Well, I mean, well, besides the, the ending. Thing, I mean, the ending leaked onto the web, actually. The artwork was reproduced and been passed uh, okay. around. So that's one reason I actually came over here on lunch, because it was like I couldn't run the risk of actually encountering <laughs> that a website agree. that would have had it. You know, So I was like, yeah. ah! Yeah, but uh, I, just a, this is just more of a technical comment. Um, I've noticed that this series, and I, I think it's it comes through a lot in this book, is that there's a lot going on in all the different panels with all these yep. fighting of, of you know of all these lanterns mm-hmm. flying through the space and all the. 
So it's just kind of, you know, I guess that's good. You get your money's worth for each panel or whatever, but it's kind of one of those where it just feels like everything is so condensed and packed in. Like into mini crisis thing. on infinite. Well, yeah. no, I'm going to tell you something about it, and that's a Jeff, I don't mind it. It's just it's a, weird. It's an interesting thing I noticed about Jeff Johns because I, when I, I was uh, trying to show somebody um, like how comics get paced and thinking about, you know, like five or six panels to a page now and, and you know, a lot of room for the art. And then I had with me the Crisis, uh, it was the Legion of Three Worlds hardback. And when I said, like, like this, boom, I open up. Every page is like 15 panels, weird construction of it. There's like, wait, Jeff Johns writes a hell of a dense book. Again. Did he write that? Legion of yeah. Three Worlds? Yeah. Oh, okay. Because he writes everything long. Uh, I thought Grant Morrison wrote that. And then you have right? double page spreads like this, which is beautiful. It's, it's amazing. And, if I, and the piece of dialogue, it's like emotional explosion is imminent, I think is yeah. what, what it says. Boom. And then all the different cores come out. It's, it's awesome. Yeah. Um, but. Uh, yeah, so you get your money's worth with the art. You get your money's worth with story. There's a lot going on. I find one little design. Like one panel with the Teen Titans in it, right? That's the only appearance they make in the whole book. It's just like all in one panel. Yeah, and and, and more mysteries because there's somebody Something, in the battery. Yeah. There's someone in the black battery. and I and that's, There's someone on the wing. Ah! And uh, thanks, Mr. Shatner. Mm-hmm. Uh, that was more That's that was more lift out. That's yeah, not more lift out. That's yeah. what I was going to go with. But um, – uh, I'm a child of the 80s. That's I know. Why I know. Shush. Uh, so I lost, I lost my train of thought on this, of course. <laughs> Thanks, Lon. You were talking about dense books. That, it, I was t- and, and Lon then was the, dense. Uh, and yes. then, um, yeah. Rewind the tape. Rewind. Okay. And, and you have an incredible cliffhanger. And each issue of this has been so well paced with these cliffhangers where, oh, I know what I was going to say. The only flaw, no, so I'm sure there's more flaws that will reveal itself when you reread something in its entirety, like plot holes start showing up. But. In a design thing, my only problem with the art by Ivan Reese is that I have had a difficult time in design telling the difference between Necron and Black, Black Hand. Black Hand, yeah. And so figuring out who was doing what. It's kind of like a Michael Bay movie almost. Uh, oh, interesting comparison. Mm-hmm. I hadn't really thought of that, nor will I think of that in the yeah. future. But, um, you know, but we see things like, you know, a, a well, I can't, I, I want to say spoiler free, but some really. Uh, intense images. And the thing I said I, when I finished reading it and said to Steve is like, when you get to the cliffhanger here, what's really clear, and I, I don't have the, the right analogy for what uh, work in another medium this is equivalent to, but everything adds up in a character arc that goes way back right. to the beginning right. of Jeff Johns' run on Green Lantern. Yep. And if you go to inblackestnight.com, which is a sub uh, subsite of DC Comics, you will see they have a guide to like what if you want to actually put it all together, which trade paperbacks you need to be buying to go back and get the whole story. And this is, I mean, this is truly a comics epic. Whereas I think like the Crises books, we ended with Final Crisis, which is sort of like you know Grant Morrison writes the their Uli- continuity band aids. He, he writes the Ulysses of uh, of cro- company crossovers, and I don't know what this is. Except this has been at least legitimately three years in the making, and if you're going to retcon, as he did here, there's a there's a there's a big big revelation in here that while it's a major retcon to Green Lantern history, you also have to say, well, there's no reason that actually couldn't have been true all along anyway. Right. Right. That's not and really a retcon. That's just more of a reveal. A reveal. Talking about what the but Guardian said. What the Guardian said okay. about about. No, no, no. Just, 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 don't spoil it. Nah. But, but we saying, all know what you're talking about. But we're talking 50 years. It's been 
mm, not something anybody's ever quo. considered. It changes the status quo. Uh, well, it changes the status it quo. It changes everything. It, and, and, and more than just in this story. And maybe nothing. Game changer. You it's know, like there, Avatar. There is one thing about oh, this good Lord. That, that kind of bothers me, and this happens a lot in event books. You start off with these guys, the the, the zombie characters, that you know, book after book, you know, they get destroyed, they reassemble themselves, yes. yeah, they get destroyed, they reassemble, and in this one, it's like every other panel, it's connection severed, connection severed, connection severed. Well, because there's so fallen. many of them. He said there's two billion of them or something, right? Yeah. yeah. Of the of the. Uh, it's been established. The that Black Lanterns. This, right. The thing is in the other books. I don't think this is a plot flaw. A plot hole is that in the other books, when they keep reassembling, it's it. It was established in Blackest Night that it's more than one color will sever an individual with the connection of an individual. Is it any two colors? Um, I think because I thought it. I mean, I've been back and forth on what actually this meant. Um, I think in Wonder Woman they established that that um, red and and violet could or. Whatever sapphire, sapphire, violet, yeah, the red and violet could. But see, sever. you're you're still not sure. Well, it's no, kind of. But like, I'm buying into it. I'm okay. I'm finding this is is that I know they established somewhere. It's too much to remember. Yeah, My I God. don't. I don't know when it happened. And it's got, three or four books a week, telling side stories that yeah. establish crucial pieces of fact. And yet, I'm loving every minute of it. Don't get me wrong. I'm not. I'm not griping. Yeah. To DC about that because this is the way a crossover should be. I, I want to read everything they've thrown in out there. And I've enjoyed everything they've thrown out there, not like some other competitors' um, crossovers, which apparently uh, sales have uh, gone really way down on Siege. And part of it is because at the, the end siege. of Siege, the Siege, no. <laughs> um, so I'm just going to start he punching. Just punched I'm me. Gonna, yes, the tiny fist of fury that is Tarek Macaw. Wow. Um, yeah, taste Portuguese <laughs> thunder. Uh, so. Um, that Siege is down, and it's still selling over 100,000 copies a month. Boo-hoo. Yeah. But it's like that's like two-thirds of what the others have been. And part of and the speculation is because with the heroic age coming, we already know where it's going. Yeah. Whereas with, in, with Brightest Day, which is going to follow Blackest Night, even though there's been a leaked image of, a, of an Aquaman cover, we still don't really know what the status quo is going to be. We can make a lot of assumptions. Of course we can. But... Every cliffhanger in this book, whatever assumption you've made about this, about that cliffhanger, has gone in a completely different direction. Well, getting back to Marvel, everything post-Civil War has overstayed its welcome for me. This is this, uh, The Blackest Night has kept the pacing up. The individual stories have been cellular. You could read them or not. They don't really affect the they – are, they are good stories, but they mm-hmm. don't really affect the, the main storyline. Mm-hmm. So I You're think right. they've been marketed like you could better read, as a you product. Could, you could read Fla- The Blackest Night Flash – or not, well, and yet. Yeah. By the way, I recommend it, and I think Lon, Scott Collins of the. I mean, it's it's a great it's a great three issues. Yep, it's 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 wonderful. I didn't pick up three yet. This almost overshadows, however, that Flash Rebirth number six finally came out, and I'm like, this is great. Except now it's nothing compared after I read Blackest Night. Uh-huh. Like I'm just oh okay. Well, you gotta you gotta treat them separately. I know, but it but it's because it's both by Jeff Johns. It's like <laughs> he had this huge epic thing, and then he came up with Blackest Night, and boom. That's just so hey, much more. The guy's the chief creative executive now. Okay, I, so we got to cut him CCO. some slack. I will. I'm going to suck up to that man every chance I get. Really? Suck up. Oh, got it. Um, so don't hit me if you don't hit me, Daddy. Right. Oh wow. Thanks, that's Lon, a bad image for that flashback. Uh, on so many different levels. 
I know where to. I know where to go. Maybe we should move <laughs> on in the agenda. However, if you buy Brightest Day Number One, you can now get a White Lantern ring. So hey, I still want my Flash ring, which is with Flash Number One. You know what Marvel's got to do to keep up with all this stuff? They've got to get about uh, like, write a good book. Well, that too, but you know, buy a copy of this and get a free burrito or something somewhere. You know what I mean? So, I would. I would food buy, coupons. I would buy Siege if they offered me a free burrito. That'd be good. Yeah, Marvel, if you're listening, and we know they aren't. Um, maybe. Uh, let's move on to movies then. Okay. Oh, no, actually, I have one more thing. Well, this is covers both. It does. Because another thing that's actually hit the news. It's our rare theme park uh, section, right? No. Oh, ready? I, I can weave this all together into one for you. Let's I'm, do it, you, baby. Are you I ready? Anticipate. Go. Okay. From comics, here we go. In the mainstream media, it has been rumbled, and for the first time, the city of San Diego is admitting this, that if that it's, there's a very good possibility that when Comic-Con's contract with the San Diego Convention Center expires. What year? 2012. Okay. They may move. San Diego is working really hard as a city to, uh, they've offered, apparently there are a lot more rooms being offered this year, hotel rooms at the the Comic-Con price. Lower rates? Not, well, (laughs) at the Comic-Con discount. Lower rates than they would be if you went elsewhere to get them. Um, so they're really trying to trying to make it sweet for 2010, 2011, 2012. So that, however, the big one that's the the big city that has offered and really apparently been the been the most tasty is Vegas, Anaheim. Oh. Here's my tie-in. So the Anaheim Convention Center, oh, okay. and right across the street from the Anaheim Convention Center Wait, I this, know this week, one. Disneyland, the happiest place on earth, has revived. Captain EO. Yay. Yay. Being shown again in 3D there in Which, Tomorrowland. It makes you upset because now it's going to be that much longer before you can get it on DVD. It's okay. It's available on YouTube. Um, but, uh, you know, and, and it was funny. It's like an article I read today said, you know, it was taken out of the parks for no good reason. And I'm like, no, I think there was one really good reason, a pedophilia charge. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> and so, but now, now that he's dead, it doesn't matter. Of course not. And, uh, and we get to see free, pre-freak Michael. No, he was no, he, he was, was mid freak. He, he was mid freak. He was mid freak. He was on the way. Nah, but he was not, he was, after the eighties, he was not scary. Scary. Uh, but I'm going to tell you something scarier. Okay. And that is that last week. I don't know why I've suddenly become like this you know, yeah, commentator. Know. Uh, but, uh, something scarier. Last week, I made reference to Captain EO in front of my high school students, and not uh, a one knew what it was. Oh, so there's a whole generation. A whole generation they has no idea see. of this lost chapter of the say, Star Who's Wars that saga. Man up there? You should have said, you know, the guy from This Is It. And they all would have got I it. forgot to make that connection. Oh, I'm sorry. Gee. You are totally right. You're not in right. touch with the kids, man. I'm not. I'm not. And that's okay. Mm. Um, they so, wouldn't have gotten it from Angelica Houston? No, you know, although many Who? of them are Pritzy's Honors fans. Mm. Okay. Um, so... Um, Thanks. Yeah, so Captain EO is back. Who directed that film? Francis Ford Coppola. That's right. And it's, and it's set in the Star Wars universe. It is. So it's officially Star what? Wars continuity. You mean episode one, two, and three? It's got a flying monkey, too. Yeah, yeah. Oh, and cool. is it Max Weebo or something? No. Are there Clone Wars in it? No, no. I'm just doing what your students would say. But there are dance numbers. Oh. Mm. So it's like the Spider-Man movie. Kind of. Oh, my God. No, they didn't say any of that, but you've hurt my soul. Go ahead. Just throw in a Matthew McConaughey reference just to gild the All right, all right. No, it's too soon. It's too too soon. soon, What what happened to Matthew McConaughey? No, for you. EO, EO, (laughs) EO. 
All right, Rick, that was your one this week. Okay, so um, I got to go back here to give Rick uh, some good news. Okay. Uh, it was confirmed today. This is the one where I have to tie myself down, right? Maybe. You have to tie your kangaroo down. Columbia sport. Pictures did officially announce Greenlit. Shane Black will be writing and directing Doc Savage. Yay. And we know from a previous interview he gave to Anna Cool News that he, uh, or, or the producer Neil Moritz gave to Anna Cool News that uh, Shane Black will be setting it in the 1930s. Yes. Everything you want. Which they can't be the same, cannot be said for the DC Comics Doc Savage uh, adaptation, which will be taking place in modern day. But written by a man, a novelist named Paul Malmont, who wrote a novel about Lester Dent, who is the creator of Doc Savage, and Maxwell... Uh, it's like something like Chinatown something something. I, I, yeah, yeah. And Walter Gibson, who was the creator of The Shadow, right. together solving a crime. So DC's gone the real, the real well, but that but that Doc Savage will be taking place in the modern-day continuity established by Brian Azzarello. But let's stay with movies. New casting rumor for Captain America. Front runner. There's a whole bunch, isn't there? There are a whole bunch, but there's but really the front one runner front stands runner. out and makes the most noise. Yes. Let me guess. Television star? It is a television star. Current television star? Current television star. Okay, okay. On a hit show? On a hit show. Oh, okay. All right. Chuck? Um, No. Well, we announced... Last time we were together. that he had that he had that he had screen Captain tested. Awesome. It okay, has been, well let me see. There's Ryan a lot McPartland of- has screen tested, but he is now apparently he is not on the short list that was leaked today, oh, and he is not the number one candidate on that short list. You don't well, sound a- upset though. I'm not sure. It's an interesting choice, and interesting choices do intrigue me. But go ahead. Well, there's a lot of like good, capable guys on television right now that could probably fill Cap's boots. So I don't know. I'm excited. Tell me who is it. Ready? Yeah. Do you not really know? John Krasinski. Uh, oh. Jim from The Office? Jim from The Office. Oh. Who's going to be the Red, Squall, uh, Red Skull? Dwight? No. Yes. <laughs> yes. Horrible beat. Rain Wilson. Rain Wilson. Horrible beat accident. <laughs> turns his head red. And Steve Carell, Carell will be playing Sharon Carter. And uh, Nick Fury. Oh, yeah. no, you've already got him. Um, of the of the that's got to be thrown in there just to make people mad. I'm wondering, like if the pe- Jack Black is Kyle. Oh, yeah, Kyle I wonder Rainer if they from knew, a couple years ago. Like, I wonder if there's a way that the studio execs are like, all right, look, this is going to go. All the rumor mills are going to start. Mess with them. Let's throw one in there to throw somebody off. I'm going to say of the list that I saw. Um, which is around the only other name I wrote down as worth mentioning is because I. The only one I feel like I could fairly comment on and say, this would be a good choice, would be Scott Porter. Who's he? Okay, Scott Porter, uh, I can't remember, I think he was on Friday Night Lights. Yeah, there was one guy from Friday Night Lights. Um, and Scott Porter was the guy who played Rex Racer in Speed Racer. Oh, really? And okay. he would have been Superman in the Justice League movie that George Miller was going to direct years ago when it was common as Jon Stewart right, and right. Uh, the, the guy... Yeah. Anyway, you know what oh, I'm yeah. talking about. Yeah. So Scott Porter, he's kind of got that all-American look. I could really see him doing it. Okay. Um, and I, I get where the thing with Krasinski, the problem with Krasinski to me is just that's the Steve Rogers before he gets the super soldier formula. And he's also too old. But he, mm. you know, he's, he's not... He's not wimpy enough to be Steve Rogers before he gets a formula. He's not, but he's not action hero. Out. He doesn't have any. Yeah, I mean, what's Captain America going to do every time like the Nazis like start to charge him? He's, he's going to look at the camera, turn to the camera, <laughs> and <laughs> kind of a, a smile, smile and a wink. Yeah. yeah, 
Um, so I don't know. It's just out there. I'm just saying. Although I think Rain Wilson could do a fantastic Red Skull. I actually think Rain Wilson would be a good choice yeah. for the Red Skull. Yeah. <laughs> so Steve, where's my stapler? <laughs> With some German accent, it'd be good. Mm-hmm. Um, anyway, uh, Mark Miller, who and doesn't he speak German in the uh, office? Dutch. Oh, is it Dutch? I thought Dutch? there was one. No, but I thought aren't the Schroots Dutch or are they I German? Think Dutch. Yeah, I don't know, but I thought there was that one where he actually he married what's his ex girlfriend or whatever. I thought they were doing the ceremony entirely in German. I thought. you know but what they might have. You may be right. You uh, may already have some familiarity with such German language. Interesting. You are genius. Mm. Rain mm. Wilson, if you get this gig, you owe me, buddy. Absolutely. Okay. Um, so Mark Miller, who wait, can we before we go on though? Can we just say? Captain, don't you screw know what? this if up. If I have to do this, if I have to do the transition twice, I get to. I hit cut you, you before you started, though. Okay, um, I'm just saying though. With Captain America, we all agree that this is a pretty damn important. They better not screw this up. Don't screw this up. Absolutely, don't. You're screw not. This it's up. not about making money here, guys. Absolutely, don't screw this up. It's don't let like, the tea baggers get to you. <laughs> right, but it's just like with Iron Man, right? They. Oh. Uh, yeah. yeah, we weren't even. Yeah, we weren't even podcasting the week of the tea of the Tea Party controversy, which no. is stupid. Um, the tea Party controversy. Go you missed way. that? Which one? You've missed that the Tea Partiers have been have been accusing Captain America of being Oh, a, right. A we liberal. didn't go into that. Yeah, yeah, Oh, yeah. my gosh. It's a 10% teapot. It's like stupidity. No, they were... They, no, not... They, he was accusing them of being racist. That's what it came down to. Well, the Falcon said, I'm not welcome there. Right, but he... Cap was basically saying, I want you to get in. I want you to infiltrate them because they'd never expect a guy like you in there. I.e. meaning... They'd never let a black man into the tea, tea baggers. That's Maybe. that's I, what they're I, implying. I, I could be, I and I could that. almost see their point that wow, Cap, that's pretty. But then again, if you think that Cap's a man from the fifties or whatever, forties, thirties. But if you would also notice that in every single Tea Party organization uh, gathering so far, there hasn't actually been any African Americans. I think a case can be made for them being a racist organization. Sure, but they, you know, there. I've said it. Go ahead. Let the hate mail begin. I'm just saying we're debating this. Wait, you're one of them, aren't you? No. Okay. No, Rick's idea of teabagging is on a... No! A, oh, okay. <laughs> no, I was going to use the video game reference. He's going to... And that's not... And that's just... I believe that's ass-hatting, isn't it? That was called no, teabagging. No, teabagging. Okay. Ass-hatting is what you do with uh, with a camera. Oh. Yeah. Oh, okay. Lon can show you how to do that. Oh, that's I'm called ass-hatting? I'm afraid yeah. of that. I'm afraid. I didn't know they gave it a name. Okay. I'm afraid. Uh, anyway, Mark Miller, who's got a movie, a little movie coming out called Kick-Ass... Which has already been decried, apparently. Decried. Some some middle-aged woman noticed that there was a trailer in which a young girl swears, so she is uh, up in arms that children are saying obscenities in this film. She needs to get out more. And can you tell the lady Which is that- pretty much the reaction I have. It's like, again, I'm not a fan of that character, of the conception of that character and making a young actress. She's too damn real. But that's the problem. It's like it's like when RoboCop came out. RoboCop Two came out, and and whatever the problems you have with that movie, the fact that most people were really upset that Frank Miller had created a a teen a preteen you know, a preteen drug dealer. How dare he? That yeah. would never happen on the no. streets of Detroit. <laughs> never. Yeah. Um, you know. And so he was, I won't say. Yeah, it's yeah. too late. We heard the we heard the the consonant. <laughs> What are you saying? Whiskey. <laughs> Will Wheaton. Uh, so, <laughs> anyway, kick ass coming. But uh, so the next collaboration that <laughs> Matthew, Va- uh, Matthew Vaughn and Mark Miller are going to do is American Jesus, <laughs> which you may recall uh, under a different name of Chosen a few years ago. American Jesus. He did a three issue miniseries about 
Jesus' Second Coming. Okay. It's a very offensive book. Surprise, surprise, no studio wants to touch it, but Mark Miller believes he can get independent funding and that he considers it a sequel to The Passion of the Christ. <laughs> Mark Miller loves drinking his own Kool-Aid, doesn't he? <laughs> he does. Have you ever, I, and I, yet, who would have thought if he was drinking his own Kool-Aid – the thing, fact is, Kick-Ass looks pretty good. He may actually, he's already made the call that he's going to make at least $400 million worldwide <laughs> with that. Not going to happen. Uh, I don't know. I do, uh, I, I don't I know. do own the uh, DVD called Jesus Christ Vampire Hunter. Oh, I got to see that. Yeah. Yeah. It's a, and it's a musical. Really? Vampires again? No. Well, it was early they, on. They break into song and dance all through it. I, I have to see that. <laughs> Thank you. Oh, I'm sorry, Steve. Anyway. Well, you know, he does have a cross, though. That he could, you know, hit the vampire. Right, exactly. Yeah. Right, exactly. Definitely. Um, and uh, so, let's see. Uh, in, uh, should we go with the exciting news or the news to hurt your soul? Soul first. Hurt our soul last. And, no, 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 no. Soul oh, first okay. and then You can bring us. us back with okay, the exactly. exciting. Now, if you were to make a film about a pliable superhero, <laughs> first of all, which pliable superhero would you think would make a great Classic film? Man. man. Yeah, you know what? Apparently we're in the minority because Hollywood thinks that we want to see a Stretch Armstrong movie. These are the same Wait guys that are making Battleship the movie, right? Right. Well, this is from Hasbro, though, aren't they? Is right, it? yeah. Well, Hasbro had a Hasbro's got money in the bank from Transformers and G.I. Joe. So they might as well burn some. Well, no, what I mean is they're just they're okay. going through their okay. properties. Okay, but that I'm going to say, if you're going to make Stretch Armstrong, okay, if we can get over the pain of that, what actor... Would you think would make a great Stretch Armstrong one? You had a Stretch Jim Armstrong, Carrey. Jim Carrey. Oh, Jim Carrey would be great, wouldn't he? Yeah, I yeah. think that too. Or maybe like a younger guy. Who's yeah, more... even if you think of a Seth younger Rogen. guy. Seth Rogen. Seth what, Rogen, what an intriguing... Oh, God, uh, you're pulling my arms. I'm going to smoke some weed. I'd right? be okay with that. Maybe okay. James Franco, maybe. Okay. Uh, yeah, no, maybe. They, uh, they went oh, for... the guy from uh, Full Moon, the werewolf guy. New Moon. Yeah, New Moon. Yeah. <laughs> Whatever that Full is. Full Moon. I'm very proud Benicio that I have no Taro? idea what that movie's called. I'm proud of you for that. Yeah. I actually am proud of you for that. I'm going to let that one slide because you're right. Taylor Lautner, the former shark boy, gets to play a second superhero, and he's going to play Stretch Armstrong. Oh, he is? I got it right? Taylor Lautner I really is know. who is going to play oh my God. Stretch Armstrong. I really didn't know. And you, again, should thank yourself tonight because what the heck is going on in people's, people's minds? First of all, what's I don't why is that a bad decision? Have you seen the guy act? Um, no one has. But who's who's <laughs> going? Okay, first of all, listen. Then to what, again, he can recreate all the expressions that Stretch Armstrong. But had listen on his to face. what you just said there. Yeah. Have you seen the guy act? Nobody's going to watch Stretch Armstrong for the dramatic acting. Right. You know what I'm saying? Oh, nobody's nobody's going to sit there and be like Stretch. It's been so long. Okay, I've I got, love I, you. Yeah, but well, but wait, okay, with that kind of attitude, I've got, <laughs> I've got, I've got six words for you. Yes, GI Joe, mm-hmm. the rise of Cobra. That's different. No, it's not. No, no, it's, it's a much more intense storyline. Where? Okay, how many comics does Stretch Armstrong have? None. Yeah, how, what backstory does Stretch Armstrong have? None. Okay, thank you. He doesn't have a villain. Vac okay. Man. <laughs> okay. But I'm just saying is all I'm your- hoping that they, at least the only way that I will enjoy the Stretch Armstrong movie is if someone gets cast as Vac Man. There you go. I'm just saying that, look, all they're doing is creating a 90-minute piece of schlock that they can sell more Stretch Armstrongs to, and who not who better 
than the the teen it heartthrob of the moment, Wolf Boy. You know what I mean? I so, want Plastic Man. I would just lo- I, what I want to do is watch the uh, red carpet as the stars come in to see the screening of uh, Stretch Armstrong. They'll take talk, their kids and talk about what a great uh, movie it is. I'm going to say I'm going to and the challenge of the yeah, characterization. Oh, I'm going to predict right now Teen Choice or Kids Choice Award winner <laughs> 2011 or whenever it comes out. Okay. Stretch Armstrong. Okay. Um, shall I hurt your soul more? Sure. Okay. That, that wasn't in the deal. That didn't hurt my soul. Okay, this one might. They're going to revive a beloved Looney Tune character. Oh. Speedy Gonzalez. What? Yeah. <laughs> Madre <laughs> de Dios. And if you, Arriba. and if you, Lon Lopez, we're going to uh, name someone who would be a logical person to play Speedy Gonzalez. Well, Speedy was a, I, I was a fan of the character, being that I was a Mexican-American boy growing up in America. Um... So if I were to revamp it now, let me see. Who is a prominent Mexican-American in the entertainment business right now? Because I know there's tons of them. Uh, Martin Sheen? No. America Ferreira? No. Um, oh, good choice. Good choice. Um, oh, that kid from Modern Family? Oh, that'd be a good choice. <laughs> that'd be good. <laughs> I've just started watching that. <laughs> I'm gonna have to learn his name because that's the second time I've name dropped yeah, him exactly. and just called him the kid from. And, Modern and, and he's so funny. We do have to, Manny from Modern Family. Frankie Munoz. He's Mexican American, isn't he? There you go. No, I don't think so. Munoz. No, yeah, wrong. he's half. You're wrong, though. Those uh, are all credible actors. I don't know who. George Lopez. Ay ay ay. <laughs> See what I did there? I know, and I got to say, Lon Lopez disapproves of the choice of George Lopez, so that's fine. Uh, <laughs> uh, does anybody think he's funny? First of all, I, the article I read—I actually knew that, but the re- article I read about this—they basically say he's going to be providing the voice. Yes, and I was like, could you pick a less charismatic actor to be the? You know, first of all, Speedy Gonzalez, hyper. Kind of fast talking, kind of funny, and you know whatever. And it's like yeah. George Lopez is kind of deadpan. Maybe they'll speed his voice up. But here's the biggest problem I have with this. Biggest problem I have with this. What's the reason? Why, Derek? Tell me why they're rebooting Speedy Gonzalez. Uh, because it's a property they've got sitting around that, as it exists, they do not feel comfortable uh, merchandising. Well, why though? Tell me why. Explain why. Because Speedy Gonzalez. Has a friend? No, no, but not even. Well, I mean, <laughs> yes, he does. Slowpoke Rodriguez. Sure, but what's the main, the core of the problem? The core of the problem is the character is ethnically it's, identifiable. It's, it's, it's an ethnic stereotype. Yeah. Yes. Okay. What kind of humor does George Lopez do? Ethnic stereotype. Right. Exactly. So it's kind of like saying, "Oh, we want to reboot this character and bring him into the next generation and make him politically correct." He's going to be voiced by Stephen Fetchett Jr. Yep. <laughs> Not since Ted Danson put on blackface. <laughs> right. And it's funny because I find this ridiculous because if you see interviews with George Lopez, he's very, you know, oh well, yes, you know, what we're going to bring to the project is, you know, probably this and then that. You see him do his stand-up, and he's like, hey, orale, everybody, come on, it's a good time on Lopez tonight, essay, and you're just like, okay, look, if that's not ethnic stereotyping, well, I, I am going to say, as, as far as I can tell, elementary school children <coughs> do love George Lopez. They love him because isn't he on Nick at Night? Isn't the George yeah, Lopez he, show being rerun? Once and that now, show got rerun on Nick at Night, that is it. That is where my it. daughter complains to me every other week. Mm-hmm. I'm the only kid at school 
who doesn't know who George Lopez is. They say he's an unfunny man, and your parents are teaching you taste. <laughs> so yeah, that line will work real good for her at school. It did not really go over well. <laughs> did she come home without her glasses? No. <laughs> But anyway, she came home without her love for her father. <laughs> Did she watch Beverly Hills Chihuahua? Uh, I don't know if she's seen that oh, or not. Okay, um, so but I'm just saying though that I have a problem being a Mexican American <laughs> with this whole "we're going to reboot it and make it, you know, all good and safe and everything else." And it's like, no, you're just re. All you're doing is reinforcing the stereotype. If that's then, the case, then you know what? Let's cast Esai Morales. He's awesome, by the way. He is. I love him. He is great. Uh, so there. And we'll do a soundtrack by Los Lobos, and everybody will be happy. Excellent. How about Lou Diamond Phillips? Can he be in there? No, he's not really Mexican. Oh, he? I that's thought the he's problem. like Hawaiian or something. No, he's not. You're right. You yeah. promised you'd give us good news. There is good news. <laughs> I'm Rick, gonna, is, Rick's soul is really hurt I did, over here. I think I really did. Oh, my I, gosh. I, I, I he's am drained. I, I, I empathize with the uh, Latinos. <laughs> I, I do the really? Idea. The struggle yeah, of my people? I do. Okay. I do. I do. Okay. Um, <laughs> Um, anyway, uh, the good news is that, that we've got, had an official confirmation from Warner Brothers of a story that Nikki Fink broke a couple weeks ago that we reported on the last time we podcast, which was that uh, Christopher Nolan had been placed in charge of a revamp of Superman. Yes. And here's what we can tell you now. David S. Goyer, who wrote Batman, co-wrote Batman Begins and The Dark Knight, uh, and is best when he's just writing... Um, is writing a script called, has been hired by Warner Brothers to write a script called The Man of Steel. It is a go. It is real. They are going to revamp it. Cool. And the great thing about the script, as he describes, is uh, the villains will be Brainiac and Luther, because you've you got to have Luther in there somewhere, but Brainiac's going to get his big screen debut. And that it's going, though it's a revamp and, and kind of a reboot of the thing, he's just going to assume we all know the story. And it's just going to get right in the action. It's not going to go. We all do know the Superman story. We know the Superman story. We all know the we know origin. The, we kind of know we the don't need to, story. We, we don't need, need to know. We don't need to know who Lois is. We don't need to know who right, Jimmy right, right, is. Right. That's fine. Perry. Those are iconic characters everybody knows. So they're just going to get to that and they'll get to Brainiac story. Any idea what version of Brainiac? No idea yet. Okay. That'd be Hopefully the Terminator robot looking version because that'd be cool. That'd be awesome. Yeah. Oh, but you know what else was attached to that story? You know no. who's in the short running to play uh, Superman Clark Kent? You're going to say something to hurt my John soul. Krasinski. Krasinski, whatever his name is. Oh, did you watch Chuck when, uh, what's his name? Brandon Routh has been on. Well, yeah, when when they referred to him as Superman. Yes. Yes. That, <laughs> that is wacky. Yes. Um, and the other thing we were going to say we didn't have is, is that Lon and I had a rare night out to the movies together. It was nice. In addition, Don't hit me again. Can we talk about your movie this week? I guess. I mean, you know, no, it's nobody's going to be able. But really it's still, we're gonna, we'll have the first public screening, even though it's not available. We're going to have the sure. premiere this weekend of Crackpot Comics, the film that Lon Lopez wrote and directed. This is correct, and, and you uh, acted in, and I acted in, co-produced with the that Kate. Rick was an extra. In. I was yes. an extra, and occasional guest Nate Costa was uh, co-producer. And Stephanie and Rodriguez was an extra Stephanie too. It's true, and it filmed it's here. A family Luce, affair. Filmed here at Elusive Comics and Games, so it's. Uh, so Big the, world premiere this so weekend. So the next time we meet, we can actually talk about, like, wow, audiences found it funny. We'll that's, see. <laughs> that's what I'm hoping the reaction is. I'm, I'm going to, like, tape record the whole thing, so I'll just you'll hear, like, crickets and stuff playing as the stuff. And the, and the soft weeping of Lon Lopez. Yeah, I'll be all, it's funny, right, guys? <laughs> right? <laughs> no. Oh, you're about as funny as George Lopez. Oh, so, oh that hurts. Oh, oh. We're moving on to a movie that we saw together on our rare night out. Yeah, I like Date Night. 
It it's so nice rare time. we get, you know, just true. time just between us and without the kids, you know what yeah. I mean? Well, so. no, there were a lot of kids there because they keep running around in the screenings. Yeah. Uh, we saw Kevin Smith. How about that guy? Which guy? What? The, the dad who brought his little kid and his kid's saying something. I know you heard it because you turned. And he said, shut up. He's all, shut up. Yeah. Uh, I love that. The American parenting at its best. Mm-hmm. Bring your kid to an R-rated film. And then tell him to shut up. And, yeah, and loudly so that everybody can hear, you suck as a dad. Daddy's getting yeah. his freak on. Get away Fatherly, from me. Yeah. 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 Uh, anyway, we saw Kevin Smith's new film, uh, Cop Out. First time he's uh, directed a script that wasn't written by him. Well, oh. I would have to say that um, he definitely did some massaging on it because there were segments of that that were so Kevin Smith. Yeah, a lot of Kevin Smith. Dialogue. Uh, with uh, Bruce Willis and Tracy Morgan. Morgan, I always want to say Tracy, Tracy Jordan. Jordan. <laughs> I want to say Tracy Ullman. No, Tracy, that would have made a fantastic buddy film. No. <laughs> uh, Tracy Morgan and Sean William Scott, who I think really pretty much stole the movie every time he was on. But um, funny dude, funny dude. Um, so uh, it's kind of a, an homage to eighties to eighties buddy cop films. And uh, what, do you, what white do you think? Cop. Lo- yep, I think I liked it more cop. than you did. Um, I was thoroughly entertained. Um, here's the one thing. Even, I mean, I think we both agreed, story lags in some parts. But I almost felt that even when the story lagged, I was having fun watching it. I did like the Bruce Willis character. I did like, I mean, it's, you know, you're t- I'm a fan of the genre. I'm a fan of the buddy cop genre where it's like you've got the comedian who's, you know, known for his stand-up paired against an action star you know what i mean you know it's like nick nolte and eddie murphy in 48 hours you right. know what i mean it's like on a scale of jay leno and pat Morita in collision course <laughs> which i have seen to nick nolte and eddie murphy in 48 which i think 48 hours is probably the best of that right genre you know where would it fit no i i'm kidding but you know it, no but you, that's a good scale you know what i mean like 48 hours being the tippity top and, and collision, collision course, course being the unreleasable the film I would say it's probably you know somewhere in the middle, like uh, like we were saying last night. It's about a B minus, B plus, you know, or B. And, and the thing is, after having almost twenty four hours to think about it, I, I think I, I got a, grew a little warmer to it. Mm. Some of the things, because you were right, you know, some of the things that bothered me about the film were the things that like actually bothered me, like in Beverly Hills Cop two. There were moments of just such unbelievability mm-hmm. and goofiness, right? You know, um, what's the guy that was uh, from the OC? Um, oh, Adam Brody. Adam Brody as one of the one of the one of the other other cops who plays basically like the Judge Reinhold kind of character right. from Beverly Hills Cop, right. where it was like, it, it, you know, that got <coughs> silly in the in the Beverly Hills Cop series. And I'm going to point something out here just to see, you know, in, in all the homages to different films, do you think that Tracy Morgan, at the beginning of the film, had a problem with snot and spit? <laughs> so do you think, and they made a big deal out of it, like he was, con- he was like spit flying everywhere and he kept wiping his nose and then it stopped it. Do you think that was an homage to, of all things, Turner and Hooch? <laughs> I don't think it'd be they're that clever, but it, you never know because they um, dropped it because it was like it was such a thing, and it, you know, it was so it was so obvious at the beginning. Bruce Willis at any point was this during the interrogation? In thing? the interrogation, well, maybe they, maybe that was later, one of the there movies. Was, there was another thing where there was a big gobble spit that came out later on the street. Um, and so and he kept he kept wiping his nose and then and then just stopped. That it. just might so, be his delivery. I mean, or he might have been he might have been so, yeah. That's the thing. That guy gets so heated. And, uh, and and the other thing someone said is you know Tracy jo- uh, Tracy Morgan is now going about doing the filmography so that his po- movie poster is going to be hung in Tracy Jordan's office on the set of Thirty Rock. And yet it was an enjoyable movie. If it had come out like in June, nobody would see it. But because it's the end of February, it's 
there are much worse ways to spend your your. Uh, I think it's a fun time. I mean, hours. here's the thing. I don't know if maybe the younger kids. I had a fun time. I think I'll maybe the the younger kids that well see it. That maybe it'll maybe they'll sit there and go. God, this music's so cheesy and weird. They even know? got Harold Faltermeyer to score the film. Oh, my God. Which was awesome. <laughs> it's like the first thing you notice. Like You start sitting there and you go, I feel like I'm watching a bad 80s movie, which is, like you said, it's total homage. And I mean... You know, but that'll be lost on some of the you know the younger kids because oh, sure. go, God, the music was so well, terrible. You know, I think a lot of them probably seen the movies on reruns on TV. But do they appreciate it or understand it the way we yeah, can? You know, you just asked, did anyone really appreciate Beverly Hills Cop? I did. I love that. What movie. do you mean? I, I loved it, but I mean, is it? It's a and it's a well crafted comedy. But I don't I appreciation of that. Well, the thing is, though, what I mean, appreciate is is for what it did. For the genre itself, you know what I mean? Yeah. You took okay. this comedian, Eddie Murphy, known from SNL. I mean, think of it this way. Without Beverly Hills Cop, could there have been a diehard? I don't know, right? Because Bruce Willis was known for moonlighting well, in, in and fact, comedian. I, in and, fact, I'm thinking about, you know, the, it, hmm. it, it brings it to me like all the good, the really bizarre 80s um, buddy comp movies. and like. The I wanted color. to research that because I know That's what was Red like, Heat. Uh, oh, oh, Schwarzenegger yeah. and Belushi. Yeah. Uh, Turner and Hooch. Tom Hanks and a Mastiff. Um, the one that, because I was thinking about the Bruce Willis, I was thinking exactly the Bruce Willis thing. It's like he's returning to it. Because, yeah, I would agree with you that, that, um, I'm not saying that Die Hard couldn't have existed without uh, Beverly Hills Cop, but I really go back to 48 Hours because that's really what right. made Eddie Murphy the star. Um, but, and f- but that became that. Be- finish your thoughts. Sorry. Okay, thank you. But the forty-eight hours, you know, revolutionized things. And Beverly Hills Cop raised another level because it was still Eddie Murphy. And you went up to Bruce Willis in Die Hard, where yeah, he had done a Blind Date, mm-hmm. and he'd been in a couple of other dumb things, but he wasn't a buddy, a bizarre buddy cop one. And um, and it, which is really underrated and really forgotten now. Sunset. Oh, that that cowboy he's, one where he played he's Tom, Tom Mix. Mix. He's Tom Mix and James Garner's White Earp, and they're solving a murder mystery in Hollywood. Yeah, I remember in the in the early '30s, and it's really good. But but Die Hard really changed the game then, and the buddy cop film kind of faded away after Die Hard changed everything. So Bruce Willis really was the right, but the big, re- revolutionizing, and then to go back and do this is like okay, you know, it's finally time. Bruce right, Willis. but that genre during that certain time was how these comedians made their, their bones. You know what I mean? It was like they could Billy they, Crystal yeah. and Gregory Hines and Running Scared. <clears throat> yeah, Gregory Hines, you know, this total tap-dancing, classically trained guy or whatever, paired up with the funny man yeah. in a serious cop movie. I mean, but that was all... And that is one of the best. And yeah. yet, when I'm thinking about it, though, it's also, the, you know, it's the, there are these arbitrary elements that have been there, like, you know, divorced from the first wife. And, right, exactly. You know, and that's there right. with And it's this all again. there. And it was one of those things where it was a total... Like it was just that, and Michelle Trachtenberg is in it. So, so Lon really oh, like that. Though I still have a problem it. accepting Michelle Trachtenberg as an adult sexual being. I love her. I just I I can't get over that one. Here's the other thing though too. Kevin, oh, I got over Sucky Stackhouse being a rogue. It's all right, you know. Kevin okay. Pollock was is in this movie. San yes. Jose native. By San Jose native. Kevin Pollock. Um, but the other I thing though is contractually bound to say that. I by want, the way, we're podcasting near San Jose. I want to I want to IMDb though because I seem to remember him. Being in a buddy cop thing from the past, like uh, at least a I'm couple. I'm sure he's been. In. Wasn't he in Judge Dredd? No, that was Rob Schneider. Oh, that's right. But uh, also San Jose native <laughs> yeah, exactly. Rob Schneider. Um, but uh, we only send our best. But uh, he, I mean, you know, of course, Kevin Pollock was in Usual Suspects, but I'm sure that he's played that role of the, 
you know, the other officer. I'm like, pretty sure. Are you doing? I, I'm pretty sure you're right too. I want to IMDb it. But anyways, overall, I would say fun time at the movies. Had some hilarious. There was some bits in there that just had us laughing out loud. I mean, I don't want to give it away, but when he starts talking about chimpanzees, pay attention. <laughs> Shoot, um, I forgot about. That. <laughs> yeah. Wow. And only Tracy Morgan could deliver that right. line with the with the conviction. Yeah, <laughs> he does. yeah. I mean, it's like I said, it's it's wacky, it's madcap, it's eighties buddy cop movies at its best. So I forgot how much that made me laugh. Thanks, Lon. Yes. You're right. For that joke alone, I'm gonna have to yeah. give it a thumbs up. Uh, we also saw a trailer for Nightmare on Elm Street, the remake, which is coming soon, and that's all that's all over the internet today. Um, I, 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 I leaned over to you and I said, "Not." Nah, it just didn't have that creepy feel that the, no. the first, like, because I remember when I saw the first trailer, like, and granted, we'd never seen anything like it before. You went, what the hell was that? You know? Yeah. Hmm. And this one, you're just kind of like, oh, it's Freddy I do feel again. they want me to feel sympathy for him in a way that I think the Jack Earl Haley, you can see more of the makeup, and it really looks more like burn victim like realistic rather than, than bad acting. Than the scarred. very stylized look that he yeah. had as a And monster. it also made look here's the thing. It made Freddy look less charismatic than he's ever been. And that's the whole reason why that franchise lasted as long as it did was because Robert England was hella. people loved Freddy. You yeah. know what I mean? They and it was all about the creative kills and his one liners. Yeah, but this everything is else. this is gonna be all about the the latest level of special effects and the whole dream time twisted Reality I don't know. Did stuff. it seem effects laden in this no, one? No, what it really seemed was though that they're they're, they're recreating dream killing for dream killing. It's yeah. the same thing. They had Nancy falling asleep in the bathtub and the the claws coming up out of the tub, coming up right by her hoo ha too. Which is what well that's what happens in the original. Yeah, I mean, oh, does it's, it? It's that's a lot of I'm, that is freaky. Most of them look the same, like the same. Yeah, it, yeah. There was the bed killing, and, and it wasn't. So it wasn't even all that. It, it just didn't seem like they were. It wasn't all that special effects laden. It was just. Nothing different. Yeah, it, it didn't seem from that to be offering us anything. Well, you're just seeing new. a trailer too. Yeah, I know. But when the trailer looks so much like right. it could have been the trailer for the first one, except that suddenly Freddy's more, um, you know, sympathetic. I, you know, I got to go there. Um, so let's move on to television. Okay. Just a quick thing, unless you've got something else from another show to say. Uh, Smallville announced that they're going to bring Max Lord in as a character and a recurring character on there. Being the character, of course, uh, took mind control of Superman at one point until Wonder Woman. Are they bringing him on as a bad guy? They don't know yet. Until okay. uh, so, Wonder Woman killed Max Lord. Until Wonder Woman killed Max Lord. Right. Gil Bellows, who was on Ally McBeal and is in the Shawshank Redemption, uh, will be playing Max Lord. So that's an interesting casting choice. I could go with that one. We should also note that Max Lord, know his power is to control other people. Well, I did say he took right. mind mental control right, right. of Superman. And he has a customary nosebleed. When, yes. Yeah. But he... Did he? Yeah, he did originally. So we'll see. And, and considering the cl- kind of the hint at the end of Absolute Justice, it really seems like if he's coming in as recurring this late in the game, they're thinking they're going to go season ten, yeah. even though the CW apparently hasn't officially said they're going to. But the ratings are going up. It seems reasonable. I want to talk about briefly. There was Toy Fair 2010, uh, which is the annual trade show, revealing new lines. And um, so, uh, um, first of all, once again, HeroClix has an amazing resurgence coming on. And we may have to buy this. Is that there's this new starter set that's Blackest Night themed? Oh, so you can get Black Lanterns versus the multiple so you the get Care Bear Core. Yeah, huh? and you can, so you can play. You can just play out the action in a HeroClix <laughs> game. I'm very excited. You said that with a lot of intensity. You tipped yeah. them over. I did because my son's almost old enough to actually 
learn the game and not um, break not the cry break every the time you beat him. Oh, okay. No, I did. I, no, no. I let him. I let him have like eight because he was just begging. Can I have the little guys? Can I, and then he broke them all off the stands immediately. And you know, <laughs> using his little. And so when I said that now, and he's you know five going. I did what? Oh mm-hmm. no! You know, feeling Jesus bad. Do you still have me? Glue him back on. Yeah, but the dials thing got got lost. So oh. it's all right. None of them were. Well, only one. My Ultron. He broke my Ultron. Um, so one powerful character. But anyway, um, so Mattel has, of course, uh, the big DC license, and so and Mattel's been going nuts with toys lately. But Mattel's going doing one that's uh, that uh, even my wife's gonna might just have to let me buy some of these. Um, they're going to re-release or they're going to cre- recreate. A line of Mego style action figures, the eight inch. The box even looks like the world's greatest wow. superheroes. I love Megos. Here they got Green Lantern, Black Manta, Sinestro, Superman, Lex Luthor, Batman with a removable cowl, Green Arrow, Two Face, and of course Aquaman. Sweet. Uh, to start off, so that's awesome. They're called the Retro Action Line, um, and the boxes well, they have like cloth and a mix of cloth and plastic. Well, I mean, this won't be much different from what Toy Biz did with their. Uh, yeah, 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 but it's um, it, actually it looks a lot closer to what Ma- the Magos looked like. The Magos originally, but were the facial little... sculpting is much better. Yeah. Um, and so that yeah, I'll, I'll try to find some pictures to shoot okay. to shoot to you. But the other thing is another company called MC Toys, EMCE, in which the the guy known as Doctor Mego, who you can order like if you've lost a shoe, he'll repro- you know oh, he's got reproductive okay. parts. Um, and with a company called Biff Bang Pow has announced that they're going to launch at at uh, Comic Con this summer <clears throat> their own Mego line. Ready for okay. some of the licensees? Okay. Yeah, okay, oh give it God. to us, Derek. Dexter. Okay. Lost. Mm. The Big Lebowski. Uh-huh. The Twilight Zone. Mm. Flash Gordon. Which one? These are action figures or statues? These are going to be Mego dolls. These are going to be Mego dolls. Mego style dolls. Okay. Okay. Flash Gordon. And the one that I think you're going to sock away your pennies now, the Venture Brothers. Hmm. Yeah, I'll have to. That's a whole Jackson Public has apparently been holding on to this one. And basically the quote is, wait till you see the Brock Samson. You'll... Do some sort of excretory function. <laughs> <laughs> We're a family podcast. So on that note, if you have any questions, comments, toilet paper, uh, compliments. <laughs> or tissues by the side of your bed. <laughs> please write in to editor at fanboyplanet.com. Uh, if you have any your praise for lawn, please write into sandpaper at fanboyplanet.com. And this is Derek McCaw, editor-in-chief of Fanboy Planet. I have to come out and say it. This has been Lon Lopez the whole time. What? For Fanboy Planet, more on life. And never been convicted, Rick Brett Snyder, reminding you to use your powers only for good. Why are you looking at me? Because <laughs> you're not saying anything. <laughs> and thanks once again to the great Luke Ski for use of his music in this podcast. Visit Luke Ski at www.lukeski.com. Okay. Hey, it worked. You guys have a save for...
Okay, so a week. You guys have a, a plan on what you guys are going to cover that week. We come up with the last minute, we've got like a three here, and then we drift off. <laughs> and that's part of the plan. Yeah. That's no, we're trying to keep it, keep it current so that it's not really anyway. Yeah. Okay, in two weeks from now, we're going to break that breaking news yeah. about Well, that's kind of like, like uh, what's nice about it. It's more kind of like a conversation. Well, that's kind of the goal. Is like, it's like a bunch of guys, uh, yeah, it's just a bunch of guys who could be drinking, but instead they're out uh, hanging out at a comic book shop. Yeah. Yeah. Everybody's wives are happier that way. It's, yeah, we're just bringing home the conversation, the comic book shop oh, conversation. Really? Yeah. They, they kind of show it. That's good. Oh, okay. So, thank you. Like thank you, man. Look forward to having you on. Thanks. Because then they went You want to saddle up to the mic, Lon? Okay. So you got a lot of stuff on that paper. It's been a little while. Well, there's some, you know, I mean, stuff we can kill, but I'll just go over. First of all, that... You know, it's worth commenting since everybody has but the DC Entertainment shake-up. Um, Million-dollar action. So the, the shake-up there is it's going to be, um, what's his name? It's actually more of a codifying. So, right. Um, Dan DiDio and... Um, Dan DiDio and Jim Lee are, Jim Lee. are co-publishers. Right. Taking Paul Levitz's place. And then they've named the new, created a new position. Jeff Johns is, co- is chief creative officer. Right. So it's like the editor in charge of keeping everything straight. Yeah, and that's what he said is his basic thing is his job is to make is to do his quote if I understood him correctly was his job is to do what he did with with the Justice Society on Smallville, not just get the property out there, but actually try to bring that property as intact and true right. to the original right. mythos as right. possible. But they can see a commercial value to that. Yeah, amazing. Yeah, since well, again, Absolute Justice did the best yeah. ratings. It's just like no, let's call it Mercy Reef. <laughs> Although on the on I know the, I know I, know. I read the, your story, yeah. which but have you watched Mercy Reef? Uh uh-uh. uh never. It's actually have. pretty good. Yeah, I know, but it would have gone nowhere called Mercy Reef. I know, you know, because it doubly that's not actually where he lives. So the town is called something else, and the Mercy Reef is this mysterious place they go off to at the end of the episode. But that's still not where he lives. So it's like, so it would have been so distanced from what it was. <laughs> and then in the third season, it just becomes his nickname. Yeah. Just call it Aquaman. That it has the title sequence, which cracks me up. It's like that it actually the title goes Aquaman. I'm like, no, it wasn't. <laughs> it was Mercy Reef. <laughs> that includes Wonder Woman too, but you know, I already have those. No, I've got it. It's uh, it's on my Netflix queue. This is a very long wait. <laughs> Oddly enough, Spectre was good. Yeah, you said that. Spectre cartoon was really good. Yeah. You said that was worth it all. That's high praise. I like the Spectre. I know. Gary Cole makes a great Spectre. I'd imagine. Yeah. You, did you watch, um, what was the, uh, American Gothic? Yeah. That was, he was awesome. I loved American, American Gothic. Gothic. Loved American Gothic. Especially the, the, the uh, series where he was buried alive. <laughs> yes. Um, so, uh, The Guild, number one, coming from Dark Horse at the end of March. Mm-hmm. Felicia Day is writing the comic book so um what's the big news is for the first time the city of san diego is admitting that comic con might not stay in san diego when they're freaking out good for them yeah so that's been a lot of news this week uh just in today is that charlene harris is writing or 
I think they're hiring someone else to adapt, but Charlene Harris has approved an adaptation for Dynamite Comics of her other series called um, Harper Connolly. About a woman who talks to the dead. I have a vague recollection of that series. So the book oh, is called Grave Sight. Mm-hmm. So, um, and then DC also just announced, literally just like an hour ago, that they are going to, with with every issue of Brightest Day number one, you can get a White Lantern ring. And we just learned about the White Lantern. We knew a White Lantern was coming. Hmm. Did you read it? Yeah. Lon read it, too. Yeah. Did you read it? Yeah. Already? Mm-hmm. He came down at lunchtime, I think. Yeah, I swung by at lunch because that was where my hour is was free today. Is that a permanent thing, or is that just for the cliffhanger? You think somebody else is going to be a white lantern? Or? I don't know. That's what makes the series interesting to me, is I, I don't know. And there was a commentary today. Well, maybe we should save that, too. No, let's save it. Um, so it went through that. Movie. Shane Black has been confirmed as writing, directing Doc Savage for Columbia Pictures. It is a green light. It is a go. Doc Savage is happening. Uh, front runner for Captain America is apparently John Krasinski. No, Several said, sets are running. <laughs> wait a minute. Have they said anything about whether it's period or modern? Shane Black was still the, was the guy that originally in Cool News had said it's got to be period. Okay. So he's going with that. Um, but the thing I noticed is that Columbia is also who has the shadow that Sam Raimi's going to wants to direct. So you could have eventually a Street and Smith conversion. Conversions would be nice. Um, Mark Miller is claiming he's going to make American Jesus independently with Matthew Vaughn after Kick-Ass makes $200 million worldwide. Um, the return of Captain EO. It has been confirmed today that by Warner Brothers that uh, David S. Goyer is writing The Man of Steel with Christopher Nolan overseeing. So okay. that had been the rumored thing. We said, you know, and, and then DC quieted up, and then they said, no, it's true. Taylor Lautner is playing Stretch Armstrong. I just want a moment of silence. TV. There's got to be a wounding scene. You have a what? What? What did he say? Oh, you have the comm, maybe? Oh. Yeah, I'm in charge. Great. I've told him to train me on the damn cash register at Civil War. Um, Gil Bellows is going to be playing Max Lord on Smallville as a recurring role. So they're definitely edging towards the idea of a Will he get a nosebleed? Um. And then I have some toy. toy I have some toy news that what I don't. What about uh, George Lopez revamping Speedy Gonzales? Oh, jeez, yes, for film, right? I think so. Yeah. Arriba, arriba, arriba. George is your uncle, right? No, I want nothing to do with him. I think he's a talentless. Hack. Okay, uh, save, save that vitriol. Oh, okay. Um, and then there's a lot of toy news. Try not to be racist when you say. It. Okay, I will. Lon's okay. He's no, he said try to be racist. I will. I, so. Yeah. Oh, try to be racist. I'm sorry. No, I didn't. I, I, I said try not to be racist. I know, but Lon doesn't understand. I know. I don't understand not. Um, so after Toy Fair. Try not not. Um, I would love to say that two companies are going to be releasing or planning to launch at Comic-Con Mego reproductions of toys that didn't exist then. <laughs> cool. Like? So, no, I'm going to save it. Oh, you, okay, that's because, fine. Sweet. Because at least one of them is going to make you start – Stashing your money away now. Okay. I guarantee. Well, okay. I jizz in my pants. Yes. Okay. okay. So that's is that's that it? I got, you got okay. anything else? No. Let's make this a tight show tonight. Let's go. Okay. Wait. <sighs> uh, trying to think what's been going on this week. The Olympics. Um. Uh, okay. You carry a storage. 
Listen up, fanboys. It's the Fanboy Planet Podcast. He was going to sing there. And here's your host, the bronze medalist for the Super G, Derek McCaw. Hey, bronze. Not bad. No, that's not bad.